we were basically held up at ransom for our pay to perform the rest of our set. And we were scared out of our minds. Hey there, welcome back to One Big Caper. I'm Athena, this is my partner Felix. And this podcast is all about our capers on stage and off. Today's topic, <laughs> this is actually the beginning of a series, another series that we have. And uh, we're just going to sprinkle these in as we go. But uh, we realized that we haven't talked a lot about our hell gigs as performers. That is an industry term. Uh, hell gig is a miserable experience that you would probably never want to experience ever again. No, no. Uh, for that matter, I have realized that many of my hell gigs are repressed memories. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's inevitable that we meet someone who discovers what we do for a living or that we are both entertainers and they want to hear the stories, but they, you know, they want the shocking and bizarre and we can certainly deliver on that. Um, but when it comes is to... Is it not shocking and bizarre already? That you're a magician for, for a living and I used to be a Las Vegas showgirl. <laughs> it makes us sound like liars. I know, right? <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, I interrupted. When talking with other entertainers, hell gigs also are the yes. the desired dish. Yep, because it yeah. is. It's, it's a dish. It's a dish. Totally. It can be delicious or disgusting, but... But it also helps. It's cathartic. Well, also because then you learn who not to work for. We do share a lot of these stories too, as as a word of caution. Whether, yep. You know, it's uh, yep. even the psychology of working with an audience, or the mm -hmm. psychology of working with a, a booking agency, or a particular theater, or people who you should avoid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's one producer in town that I have never worked for because of what one performer told me about mm. their pain practices or lack of paying practices i know of some someone, of you might know who i'm talking about you know, know who i'm talking about you just reminded me i know of someone who is in this small same facet of the entertainment industry as i am and i will not work with that person because i have it on good authority that they uh, did a no call no show at a at a, a show an audience ticketed show they just decided not to show up out of some kind of tantrum and uh, that is inexcusable to me and mm -hmm. i trust the source and, and it's for that reason i won't work with this person yep yeah yeah that's fascinating yeah so you have a story yeah a juicy little yeah this is all a juicy bit dish. basically yeah uh-huh <laughs> yeah all right okay i'm not going to name names because it's it was probably the most humiliating day of her life as a producer um but this happened to me. I was, I was booked for a show by one of the performers that I'd met at the, the clock tower, I believe. A smart girl. She's got her stuff together. She's not a burlesque performer, but she does perform, uh, what is it called? Adjacent to burlesque. Uh, she's a variety show performer. Mm -hmm. And she somehow got a gig to hire performers for, to perform for a, um, I believe it was some sort of fundraiser or something. And so she knew my rate, which at the time I think was like 75 
a show, but because it was a special show, I think it was, I think it was going to get paid 150, I think for two acts. So it was during the day, kind of like a brunch type of deal. And, uh, it was supposed to be a pretty good turnout and a good fun time. Get your name out there kind of thing. So I was like, sure, I'll do it. I'll bring whatever I brought in. I don't remember what I performed, honestly. I, like he said, blocked it out. <laughs> but never in my life have I ever experienced something so scary as what happened. So we got there and the bottom half of the bar was open, but they closed the top half, which left us space for our own like dressing areas, which it wasn't like closed off. It was like a loft. So <laughs> you had to like lean up against the wall to change because otherwise people would be able to see you, you know, so far so good. You know, we have our own place to change. We're not playing. We're not changing in the bathroom with the guests. So that's number one is great. And then she had her organized set list and you know, she was very organized. Like I said, smart girl, but nobody showed up. There was no audience. There was probably 10 people in the whole bar. And uh, I think about the same amount of performers as people in attendance to this thing, which was like an all day event. And we were only scheduled for like, like this, like two or three hour session, uh, like with a break in between or something, but nobody was there. So we did our first set and we were like, that's re it's really hard to do burlesque to perform for hardly anybody. You know, it's like yeah, a it's dress supposed rehearsal. to be a rowdy crowd. Yeah, you know, it helps. And... It helps. Yeah. It helps to have a crowd. I don't remember exactly how it went down because, again, like Felix said, it it kind of like you block it out or you just want to forget it. But uh, we were all taking our break and we were kind of complaining, like, I don't think I want to do my next act. I just I think we should all just go home. And that's when it started to get a little dicey. Yeah, because she went to tell the, the, the owners, it was like two brothers, one of them that hired her wasn't there. And so it was the other brother that we were dealing with. And, uh, so she said, you know, like we expected hundreds of more people and it's really hard to do this kind of thing. And that brother got a little, um, psycho to say the least. He basically said, okay, if you leave, I won't pay you at all. And so we were basically held up at ransom for our pay to perform the rest of our set. And we were scared out of our minds because we didn't have a man with us. It was all females and it was a biker bar. And at one point, one of the audience members drove his bicycle into the bar and started doing the thing with the wheel and rubbed a black mark on the bar floor where we were supposed to perform and smoked up the entire place so we're upstairs where the smoke is rising and we're literally being like suffocated <laughs> held up held hostage <laughs> for our pay and uh then having to go out and perform a second set under these conditions uh is the second worst show i've ever done as a burlesque performer and uh, I feel bad for this poor girl because I, I, I think that was the second show I had booked with her because I have another kind of hell gig related to her. But that was the last time I performed with her. <laughs> wow. Needless to say, I mean, it, it just like 
these are the kind of things that happen because people don't respect artists or performers. I have booked burlesque shows. Mm. Uh, I've produced burlesque shows in three different biker bars mm -hmm. uh, over the years. But one of my main concerns was that, you know, even though I'm a male person, um, security was, was always one of those things that I talked with the, the bar owners about. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I need these people to be treated like they are the president. I, I need yeah. I need absolute security. So oh, and this that is because you that you experienced. Oh, well, yeah. Your, your producer was uh, mistaken yeah. for not having arranged that. Yep. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was just really awful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's that scary. <laughs> I, I can't. I I don't want to top it. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to outdo no. each other. I no, think. no, no, um, no. I have uh, before on this show talked about a time that I offended my sound and light technician. Yes, yes. And they left me <laughs> on the stage by myself. <laughs> With no lighting. With no lights or sound. The owner um, of the venue had to go run the show. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, that's that's a funny one. That's an unbelievable one, uh, but it certainly happened. Uh, and so many come to mind, but you, you brought up, you know, I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know which one you even talk about. And you said, just hot garbage. <laughs> yep. All right. Hot garbage it is. Uh, I was booked by an agency for this one. Okay. And it took place uh, about 100 miles south of here. So I had a, a, a drive. Okay. And I drove to a private home up on a big mountainside. Okay. And I was told through the agency that I was to use the servant's entrance. Okay. Alrighty. And uh, I had to walk through catering that was staged in the garage. Um, oh. All of their catering kitchen was in the garage, so they were they were sending their workers into the home. Oh, so that was the servants' the entrance. Servants entrance. Yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the home was not that big that it would have a servants' entrance. It was a regular home with a garage and a door from the garage into the house was the servants' entrance. Okay. So this was somebody who was interested in appearances uh, for their guests. And for the reason for the party, I'm still unclear about. It doesn't really matter so much. I believe I know the reason for the party. Nevertheless, I was told that I was to be uh, there and able to perform by 7.30. And 7.30 was going to be my performance time. I would be done at 8. Okay. And I was like, all right. And I always make contact with my host unless they've designated a party planner or somebody okay. with whom I'm supposed to work. Uh, I, there was no party planner, so I found the host. Nice enough person. Uh, she she said, you know, I'll let you know. I will I will come get you when when you're up, and we're gonna fill this room with people. And I could see that they'd set up chairs for like an audience. Okay. Uh, maybe fifty people. I will come get you. So I'm, I'm just stuck there in the garage with catering people and making friends, but I didn't know what was going on. It was uh, about 8.30 that I called the agency and said, we're, we're an hour past and, and I haven't done anything yet, so we're going to have to go into overtime on this contract. And they said to keep us posted. And it was at 9 o'clock that my host came to get me to go perform. Oh my gosh. 
so an hour and a half passed. Oh. Uh, and generally, there is a contract in these situations where if I'm there overtime, this is how much money it's going to be added to your bill. Um, and I'm not sure the agency has the same policy. I, I assume so. Um, but we never got there. I did my event, and then the host took over and introduced her daughter, who was to sing a concert, like present her little concert. Um, so I believe it was a party for an album release or, you know, some kind of, I'm introducing my daughter, the singer, to all these people. Um, personal observation, forgive me for this, but she needs more practice. So I left very late and uh, it was too late to, at that point, to even reach my agency. Uh, I just went home. You know, it mm -hmm. was, I was exhausted and it was, it was dumb and, and unsatisfying. My audience was pretty thrilled with what I did, but I left before the event was over. So I didn't interact with anybody. It was, I was done. So I got a call the next day that uh, the, the agency sends out an automatic rate card, digital rate card, right? So how would you rate your performer on, you know, for this, on this scale, right? Professionalism. I got a one out of five um, appearance, one out of five. Um, and then she called the agency and said that she didn't want to pay. And it was, <laughs> uh, I don't know why she was like, what she, she was just one of those people trying to get out of paying a bill. Mm -hmm. um, and those. so the agency called me and, and asked me to explain what happened. And I laid it out just like I told you. And they said, that's kind of what we figured. We don't think that you did a bad job because we know your work. And as soon as we saw that your appearance was scored a one out of five, we knew that she was full of it. So that's a, that's a, one of the benefits of having a reputation of, of looking nice. Yeah. 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 Wow. Why would you go through all the trouble to hire someone and then complain so you don't have to pay them? Uh, is it unkind for me to like, I don't know, say somebody's like Honey Boo Boo's mom, but with money. So like a like a um, a very southern loud person who's interested in how people perceive her and okay. everything is showbiz. So it's uh, kind of like the the Hollywood old west town where everything's held up by. <laughs> Two by four yeah. in the back, right? <laughs> Everything has the, you know, yeah, yeah. wow. Yep. This is why, as a performer, you should have a contract in place for sure. Contract, contract, contract. And a deposit in place. Yes. But uh, it, that's a, one of the things in this country, I think that's kind of, I don't know when it happened. Like, I want to say the 80s when they started allowing returns of, of items, of goods that you buy. Uh, like the big box store started allowing returns. It, uh, people think that they could not pay for something, even though they've already consumed it. Mm. Like you can't undo a performance. Right. Like you can't go to the box office and get your money back. You just I, can't. I drove for a long time to get there. I waited a long time to be able to go on. I did the job I was contracted for and I drove a long way home. Unbelievable. So that one's mild by, by yeah. comparison to some of our other stories. Yeah. So what made that hellish was that she 
told the agency that I was not worth paying. This is what I'm talking like, about. Risk, people do not me respect artists. getting artists. fired by an agency that, that was yeah. booking me. But people don't respect artists. And that's, you know, it's funny because I hope, it's kind of mean for me to say, but I hope if her daughter is going into the performing arts, Oof. she learns and, and trains her mom. Like, mom, you got to respect these people because they're people just like you and have bills to pay just like you. Mm-hmm. And they did their job. But that's, that's, you know, that's a whole other topic. Like you're a top dollar entertainer. I'm a top dollar entertainer. Like I talked about it in an episode where we talked about what to charge. There are some entertainers that aren't quite there yet and they need more, more time. And they should be on the hourly, right? The hourly rate? No, they should just. (laughs) There's no substitute for what we call flight time, Mm -hmm. which is experience on stage or in front of an audience. There's no substitute. You can read all the books in the world and there's no way to learn it or no, no better way to learn it than to actually do it. Right. Yeah. And that's why there are people, especially in the burlesque world that will perform for free or pay to perform because they need that flight time. Yes. Yeah. But which is why I don't do burlesque anymore. I don't need the flight time. I don't, (laughs) I don't need it. I don't even need the time on stage anymore. I've got this. <laughs> yep. So, well, that was fun. Not <laughs> reliving hell gigs. <laughs> oh, if you want to find out my worst hell gig story, we dun, have dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. We have uh, for our email subscribers created a video of our worst hell gig stories. So right. number one, that was our, our first of this series, and it is only for email subscribers. So. If you want to hear those two stories, go head over to onebigcaper.com slash anywhere on that website. <laughs> where go it to onebigcaper.com. Subscribe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, find that button and let us know your email. Interact with us any old time at hello at onebigcaper.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.